0: Well, Multiply Church, how we feeling this morning? That's what I'm talking Well, listen, I know we're only doing one service today. We've got a packed house. Now you can see why we do two services, because it gets tightened here when we do one. But we're excited uh, for today. We've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, a couple things I want to reiterate, Pastor Manny and, and Chaz got up here and talked about it, but I want to reiterate how important we believe our men's retreat and our women's retreats are. Listen, it's not just a time for, for you to get away for a couple of days. It's a time for you to go grow deeper and closer in your relationship to God and deeper and closer in your relationship with, with one another. Um, I know that there's been friendships uh, formed on our our retreats, and and man, it's exciting to come back and see how that impacts people's day-to-day life. I also need to let you know that uh, we have our family day going on today. That's something that I'm excited about. Hopefully, your kids brought their bathing suits uh, because there's some water slides going on. Maybe maybe you're dressed in your church clothes, but hey, listen, go go down the water slide anyway. Um, Why why not? Um, Also... When you go into the parking lot, it's going to look a little different than when you walked in. Some of you saw some of the cornhole boards out there. I think there's like eight or ten different cornhole sets out there right now. Um, So the question is, who's going to win the cornhole tournament today? Well, clearly, y'all aren't that confident. (laughs) But Pastor Manny and I are on a team. I I heard Matt Carroll say right here, really, Mandy and I have been talking all week. We're just wondering who's coming in second. I mean, that's what y'all are really playing for. So if you... As as, as long as you're a unified front on something, I mean, did y'all plan that in the back? Like, because y'all know that I was going to say that? That's funny, because y'all were scared to sign up, because you didn't want to get beat. So, here we go, we... If you're new here, we like to banter back and forth. I say it like this all the time. This is more of a dialogue. It's not a monologue. It's not about me just being the talking head or whoever's communicating being the talking head up here, but we want our church and and this community to be more of a dialogue, treat Sunday mornings like a conversation going back and forth. And, And for the last four weeks, we've been in our series going through the book of Romans. And really, for me, last week, I left fired up because the the phrase that we said last week was don't quit. And that's something that has resonated with me. It's been in my head all week, but this idea of not quitting, of not giving in, that, that each person in this room, you are stronger than you think you are. You have more fight in you than you think you do. I don't care what your situation looks like right now. You have more in you than you think you do. There, there's more of a calling on your life than you think there is. Today, we're going to be in Romans chapter 5, and I'm just going to dive right in. Paul starts off this chapter by saying that we're justified through faith. And what he's doing at the beginning of chapter 5 is pointing back to chapter 4. And, and this type of repetition demands emphasis and should cause us. To truly take notice. And he goes on, he says, it's not by your works that you're saved. It's not by your good deeds. It's not by who you are. It's not by the checks that you write. It's not about the people that you take care of. It's not about following the letter of the law. Is that important? Yes, Jesus himself said, I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish the law. We can't throw the law out, but, but what Paul is saying is it's not just about following the letter of the law that leads you to your relationship with Jesus, but through faith we're saved. And despite our guilt, God, the judge who sits in heaven, declares us right before himself through our faith, not through our deeds, And this is what Paul is writing. He says, says, if someone can can have peace with God through faith, then the opposite has to be true. One commentary writes, outside of a personal faith commitment, all people stand in eternal conflict with God. Newsflash, this, this entire thing, this entire Bible, the entire book is all about being in right standing with God. Having faith to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I've heard some pastors say that Jesus was who he says he was as if it's in the past. Can I remind you that Jesus didn't go away? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father waiting for his return to earth. He is who he says he is. If we keep reading in Romans chapter 5, I'm going to really be in verses 3 through 5 today for the majority of the service But Paul says we boast in the hope and the glory of God. Let let me actually pick up the the back half of verse 2 leading in to verse 3, and it reads like this. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. The word glory catches me by surprise. Now, I I have a confession to make. Going through the book of Romans, when I'm preparing, when I'm writing the sermons, in, in my mind's eye, it's, I, I, I act as if I'm sitting across the table from Paul as he's writing this letter to the church in Rome. And I get to some of these phrases, and I want to just knock on the table and go, hold up, Paul. I got a question. Because <laughs> what you're saying doesn't align with what's going through my head. Has anybody else ever been there in Scripture? Like you're reading something and you're like, nope. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't understand how am I supposed to do that? How, how am I supposed to add that to my life? How does that bring value to my life? Because what you're writing doesn't make sense? And he says, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Good, I'm, I'm glad I'm there. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, not happening. Not for me. What do you mean we glory in our sufferings? One translation says that we rejoice in our suffering. Negative. I'm trying to hide my suffering. Anybody else? I'm trying to act as if it doesn't exist. I'm trying to bury that sucker to some, like, so that I don't have to deal with it. I don't want to deal with the suffering in my life. I don't want to deal with the pain in my life. I don't want to deal with what seems to punch me in the face. I, I talked about the, that elephant in the room and I act as if we had an elephant covered up here a couple of weeks ago. That's how I want to treat my suffering. If I don't acknowledge it, then it doesn't exist, right? Anybody else's mind look like or work like that way? If I don't acknowledge my suffering then it, then it must not exist. Paul, what do you mean rejoice in my suffering? In its original Greek, uh, it, it's ho try try to say that five times fast. Kal-ho-my. Anybody else? Can you try that? On the count of three, try to do that. One, two, three. Kalhoma. Say like that scratchy, that scratchy throat. Kalhoma. Say it five times fast. Ready, set, go. No, I'm just kidding. Don't, no, please don't do that. If <laughs> I start coughing. But it, in its original Greek, it holds more weight. There's more meaning. To the Word. And what it means is this, properly living with your head up high. It refers to living with God-given confidence. So when we rejoice in our suffering, it's not just that we celebrate it, it's that we walk around with our heads lifted high, with our shoulders rolled back, with some courage in our chest, saying, you know what, regardless of what life throws at me, my God is greater. I have a confidence, not in who I am, but in who he is. It's a God-given confidence. For some reasons, Christ followers, Christians, people who say they love Jesus, they start walking around and they go through life as if like, I've said it this way before, but it's this woe is me, Eeyore mentality. Some of y'all need to get the spirit of Eeyore out of your head y'all are like well, well my life is terrible my life is awful is that me is, is the mic my fault or is that y'all can y'all fix that at the back i'm i'm popping Woe was me Woe was the pastor my mic's messed up <laughs> try to blame it on it's y'all it's their fault at the back it's not my fault that, but that's how we live our life i can make anything an illustration but that's how we live our life this mic's not my fault it's their fault at the back the, what i'm dealing with in my life isn't my fault it's god's fault And we have this Eeyore mentality, and I'm I'm just going to point fingers, I'm going to make blame, I'm going to act as if it's not my fault, and if I can ignore my suffering, then eventually it'll go away. Newsflash, life doesn't work that way. We're all going to go through suffering, and Paul recognizes that, and he says, we need to rejoice in our suffering. We need to celebrate in our suffering. What does that mean? My God is bigger than anything that I'll ever go through. Now, again, when I'm preparing this sermon, it sounds really good on paper, but I'm like, Paul, what do you mean? Because I don't know what type of suffering you've had in your life, but mine isn't that easy. mine Mine doesn't always work that way. We said this a couple of weeks ago, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 says this, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, not partial acceptance, not acceptance when you want to accept it, not acceptance when your life is aligned, but full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the worst. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Break that scripture down. We overcome by the blood of the lamb. We overcome because of who Jesus is, who he says he is. Because Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Because Jesus lived a blameless life. He went to Calvary. He hung on a cross. The sins of the world were on his shoulders. He was put in a grave. The grave was sealed with a tomb, or with a stone. Three days later, stone rolls away. Jesus pops out. He walks around the earth for 40 days. He ascends into heaven, and then he says, guess what? I'm coming back. We overcome by the blood of the lamb because Jesus is who he says he is, and... We forget this part and the word of our testimony. Too, too many people and Christians are just as guilty as everyone else. You want to talk about the negative instead of talking about the positive. You'll tell everyone about your negative situation. You'll tell everyone about how your car broke down. You'll tell everyone about the person that you're dealing with at work. You'll tell everyone about the struggles that you're having in your marriage. You'll tell everyone about your kids who are driving you crazy. You'll tell everyone about every single negative thing in your life. But when God comes through, you forget to circle back around and overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And the word of your testimony. Why is it important for us to get out of the seats inside the church and tell people about Jesus? It's because you're sharing your testimony. They can't overcome what they're going through until you open up your mouth and tell them what you've went through. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That's why we rejoice in our suffering. That's why we celebrate our suffering. Again, it's not in your ability. It's because God is who he says he is. So let's keep reading. Verse three, Romans five, verse three, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into the hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There's four main concepts that we can grasp through these few verses today, and and I've already alluded to the first one, but the first one is this, we glory in our suffering. Yes, we live in a broken and fallen world, but our hope, our boasting, our rejoicing can't be diminished. Now, this is what I'll say about glorying in our suffering. I've said it this way before, but we're called to have appropriate vulnerability now, when you go through something, that doesn't mean you need to tell every single person all of your business all the time. You have to have appropriate vulnerability. You've got some accountability partners that you can share intimate things with. And, and the more you move past those challenges, you can begin to open up your story to more and more people. Why? Because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our Testimonies, some of you guys, some, some like there's people in this room whose testimonies are so strong, they're so deep, they're so heartfelt, but for some reason you're too ashamed to, to share it. You're, you're almost ashamed to tell people what you've come through. And what Paul is saying, he says, no, 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 no. Rejoice in that. Boast in that. Celebrate in that. Because as you celebrate, you overcome more, and then you allow others to overcome as well. The second thing that we learn is this. Suffering produces perseverance. Why do we suffer? Y'all ever ask, y'all ever ask God those questions? You ever shake your fist at God? No, just me. I'm just the pastor. Great, I'm the only sinner in the room. <laughs> my, my thing is this. I, I don't know where you get mad at God, but I get mad at God in my truck. <laughs> And I've grabbed my steering wheel so hard that, like, literally my steering wheel is starting to rip because I've twisted it so much. But, but that's where I get upset with God. I found myself saying this to more and more people over the past few weeks. God can handle your emotions. God can handle your doubt. God can handle your anger. God can handle your questions. God can handle your insecurity. God can handle whatever emotion you want to throw at Him. So don't act as if he's like some dude up in heaven that, that just ignores you when your emotions aren't good. He can handle it all. So why do we suffer? God, why, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, what I've come to learn in my short 34 years on this earth is that trials show us what we're made of. Your scars tell your story. Scar- you shouldn't be embarrassed by your scars. Scars actually remind you of what you've been through and what you've overcome. Scars means there's still breath in your lungs. Scars means there's still life inside of you. If there wasn't a scar, that means it did you in. Guess what? You made it through. Trials show you what you're made of. Tri- trials cause you to dig deep. Trials cause you to ask hard questions, trials ultimately do one of two things. Trials can cause you to draw closer to God or trials will cause you to blame God. The question is what type of mindset are you taking? Are you drawing closer to God in your trial or are you pushing Him further away? Philippians chapter 4 verse 5 and 7 say this, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, we leave out that part when we pray. With thanksgiving, what does that look like? God, thank you for my suffering. Again, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't align in my mind's eye. But with thanksgiving, let your requests, let your prayers be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you allow me for a second to use some creative liberty, I think that when we pray without thanksgiving, our hearts change, but our minds don't. But when we pray with thanksgiving, your heart and your mind changes. If you're not praying or praising with thanksgiving, then what you're saying is, God, you can have my heart, but you can't have my thoughts. I'm going. I'm going to maintain the thoughts that I want to maintain. I don't care what the Bible says. I know what I think. Any, anybody's dad ever say? Uh, how, how did my dad put it? Don't do what I do. Do what I say. All the time. <laughs> what you say? Do as I say, not as I do. I, when you, when I heard you repeat that, like I, I like flinched on the inside. <laughs> Anybody else? Like you flinch? Like I, this has nothing to do with the sermon. But the other thing that makes me flinch is every time I take my own belt out of my pants and it hits the, it hits the belt loops all the way around. Anybody else? Like I, re, like I hear that sound and I just drop the belt and step away. I'm like, that's the spirit of my father. Get behind me, Satan. You know what I mean? Or oh, the pop, you, Did your dad do the pop too? Uh, God, good. I'm going to start preaching something else. Spare the rod. I'm just kidding. Don't spare the rod. Good Lord. Finish that verse if I'm going to say it right. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The next thing that Paul reminds us is this. Perseverance produces character. What I've come to find is that your character develops when you push through. Your character doesn't develop when you're met with a situation. Your character develops and is determined by how you make your way through your situation. That's when character is developed. Now, Webster says this, that character is the mental and moral qualities distinctive to the individual. I think Webster got it wrong. Because when Webster Dictionary says it's distinctive to the individual, that means your character is based on your own perception. That perception is no longer reality. Reality is based on the person who's perceiving. So if you perceive yourself having good character and good morals, then you're always going to be in right standing with yourself. Because it's distinctive to an individual. It's the individual's perception. But, but if we keep reading in the original Greek, it holds much more weight. Once again, it's tra- the definition is this. A trial-proof, tried, improved character. From the same Greek word as "dokimos" to test by implication of trustworthiness. The trustworthiness is an emphasis on trustworthiness in God. So your character can't change because God doesn't change. Your character can't be based on the distinctive of an individual. Your character can only be based on who God is. So if we keep diving into it, true character, a trial-proof character, following Jesus isn't something that you do. It envelops who you are. Following Jesus isn't just this act of the letter of the law doing what it's right, but it's faith and hope that he is who he says that he is. God didn't say following him would be easy. In fact, many Old Testament writers talk about this form of discipleship or or following God as an act of war. And we see that in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. It says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, because of your enemy, because of your situation, because of your suffering. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Christ-like character isn't focused on the outcome, but the call. And the call is to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. You can tell someone's character by watching their attitude. In fact, Albert Einstein said this. He says, weakness of attitude becomes weakness of character. The fourth thing that we learn from Paul in Romans chapter 4 is this, character produces hope. As we maintain our character, we develop hope. I have to fast forward three weeks from now. We'll be in Romans chapter 8 in three weeks, but but let me read what Paul writes in Romans 8, 24, and 25. But we hope for what we don't see. We wait for it with patience. The good news... Hope, even when we see no reason to do so, wait patiently for the Lord. He will come. It's an emphatic statement. He will come. Some of us have forgotten that Jesus is returning. Some of us read the Bible and we believe it. We believe that Jesus hung on the cross. We believe Jesus that died for our our sin. We believe that he rose from the dead. But many of us forget that he's returning. Many of us forget to go to the, like, the back of the book. <laughs> there's this thing called revelation. and We get scared of it sometimes. And we don't want to read it because there's dragons and there's weird stuff floating around. And three angels in midair with an eternal gospel proclaiming. <laughs> like It's like the beast of the earth and the mark of the beast. And we get scared. But when you go to the very end, you're, you're reminded that Jesus still wins. That God's still on the throne and there's a new heaven, a new earth. Don't, don't forget that he's coming back. So we keep going. What, what has it been for you? What have you been waiting for patiently? What I've learned is that there's no shortcuts. That the formula was laid out for us. We boast in God. We rejoice in your We rejoice in your shortcomings. We suffer, and suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and and character produces hope. That's the formula in and of itself. There's no shortcut to it. So let me try to put it into practice. About six and a half years ago, well, about six years ago, we planted Multiply Church here in Lake Norman. Coming up this September, it'll be six years. And it's a God story in and of itself. And if I'm called to boast in my suffering, then let me tell you about some of my suffering. Because along the way, and I've fallen short as a leader. Along the way, I didn't make every right decision as a leader. Along the way, I didn't make every right hire. Along the way, I didn't make every right decision on what to do, what, where, and when to do it. And and I've fallen short. Along the way, I've doubted even if I should be the pastor. Many of you don't know this story, but about four months into the church, there was an individual that approached me and said that I shouldn't be the pastor of this church because I was too young. tell you what that does for a 27-year-old who was already questioning if God had called me to plant a church. But I'm supposed to glory in my suffering, boast in myself, rejoice in my suffering. I don't like it, Paul, but I'll try it. Along the ways, I've had fears of being a pastor. See, boasting in your shortcoming isn't sexy. It doesn't feel good. It's not the highlight reel. It's not Instagram. And that's just, that's just in my professional career. That's just in being a pastor. Boast in your shortcomings. Boast in what you've experienced. In our personal life, in the past five and a half years, we've had two miscarriages, my dad passed away unexpectedly within 48 hours of going to a doctor's appointment. Jenna's dad passed away unexpectedly. We've lost a total of five immediate, not extended, immediate family members in the last four years. Y'all ever go through life and it's like, dang, that one hurt. You get hit on the jaw and then like, you get hit on the other side of the jaw and it turns you back the other way. It's like, man, I'm just walking through life getting tagged every time I turn around. But we rejoice in our suffering. Now, let me go back to the professional side or the pastoral side. One of of the biggest things where I felt like I failed as a pastor was this. About two and a half years ago, we purchased land just down the road. And we purchased the land, we had this dream, we had this call. We thought that the Lord was going to provide a building, we were going to raise the money. By the time we got through COVID, by the time we got through the permitting phase, the project that we had on the table started at five and a half million dollars. By the time we got through the permitting and again, COVID and and all of that, that five and a half went to eight and a half million dollars. And I thought, dear Lord, I missed the mark. God, why wasn't I sooner? God, why wasn't it faster? Well, where did I mess up? Why didn't I get through the permit? Where, Where could I have pushed harder? Where could I have worked longer hours? Where could I have made quicker decisions? Where did Zach hold up the process? And again, I I felt like I failed. And that's something that's been weighing on me. But we kept pushing forward. We planted a church in Nicaragua. We're currently planting a church in Zambia. There's more to come on that in the next couple of months. But we kept reaching people. We we kept the main thing, the main thing. By the way, church, the main thing was never a building. The main thing was reaching people. The main thing is always showing people the love, the grace, and the forgiveness of Jesus. That's the main thing. So we focused on the main thing. I'm going to ask, if you were part of the group that that went to Concord where we taped out the, uh, the auditorium in Concord and we set up and tore down our church our, our mock church uh, if you were a part of that group and you're in the room could you begin to make your way forward I know there's many of you guys in here but could you, could you make your way forward if you were part of that group we started off with with 36 people Oh, kids included, I know some of the kids are, aren't here. No, why y'all being shy? Y'all make your way like, to the front. To the front. Squeeze it in. Squeeze it in. Come on, Rose. Miss Rose, you've never been afraid of spotlight. Don't act like you're afraid of spotlight now. You got that New York mentality. Right? If you're in this group and you're from the Northeast, raise your hand. Good Lord, help us all. If you're from the Northeast and you're out there, raise your hand. You're finally finding Jesus. You moved to the promised land. Hey, if I could talk to this group for just a second. Um, We've all had challenges in our life. Miss Jessica, if, if if people knew the last six years of your life. If people knew where your family was. When we planted the church, what happened year and a half, two and a half years into to having the church, and the provision of God on the other side of that. If everybody knew the stories that have happened of the people that are standing up here, what I know, what I know is that there's been suffering. But that suffering has produced character, and that character has produced hope. Why are you crying? Stop it! You gonna make me cry. Uh, six years ago, you let a 27 year old and a 21 year old. Jenna was 21. We well, were 21, 22, 22, 23, 23, something like that. I'm married young, y'all. <laughs> she was legal when we got married. All right, <laughs> barely, but she was legal. Her parents like me. (laughs) Wow. My mother-in-law laughed when I said that. She's sitting on the front row. When I said dialogue, I didn't mean make fun of your son-in-law. Let's turn this thing into a monologue. Everybody be... (laughs) But you let a young married couple... With our first our first baby on the way. We did it all wrong. We planted a church in September and had a baby in October. That was rough. But you let this young couple with a God-sized dream plant a church. And you stay committed. Never talked about me behind my back. You prayed for us. You prayed for Jenna. You prayed for myself. We've cried together. We're still crying together sometimes we've rejoiced together and we've walked this road and we see it in scripture but we've also seen it in our day to day life that suffering has produced character and that character has produced hope and and that hope has given us a God sized dream to reach this community and I'm here to tell everyone in the room that you're now part of this story that the God sized dream that has been placed on this church has been called to be carried out by every single person in this room. Not just by the people that are standing up here, not just by the pastor or the staff, but the entirety of the church. Pastor Manny reminded me, the office fans will appreciate this, but Pastor Manny reminded me of this this past week, that success is when opportunity meets preparation. You see how we quoted that on the screen. Success is when opportunity meets preparation. And we've been preparing for this moment for six years. I told you there's a a big announcement today, so. Are you ready? You grab those sticks real quick. Can everybody give me like a drum roll and make me feel really good? Give me a drum roll. But because of your perseverance of everyone up here, because of the character that's been developed, because of the hope, That has led us to our God-sized dream. And because there's no quit in this church, I'm here to tell every single person in the room that Multiply Church has officially purchased their first building. You guys make some noise. So as they're playing that video on the screen, keep keep looking at the screen, but this property came on the market and and it was absolutely the Lord's timing. And we felt that it was for us, so so we placed an offer. We hadn't sold the land at that point yet. I'm here to tell you that we've sold the land now and we got every bit of what we were asking for it. But when we when we made the offer on this land, we weren't the highest offer. We weren't the biggest name offer. But with the Lord's favor, we were able to capitalize on this opportunity. There's a lot of information to come. We're going to be raising funds. There's a lot of dreams that we have for this facility. We're going to be painting it. We're going to be remodeling it. There's a lot of information to come, and we'll roll that out in due time. But today is just a day of celebration. We're here to celebrate that there's going to be more life, that there's going to be more freedom, that there's going to be more family, there's going to be more purpose, There's going to be more baptisms, there's going to be more salvations, there's going to be more marriages that are restored, there's going to be more God-sized dreams, and so this part of the facility will become our new sanctuary. We're remodeling it, and to give you kind of a, a concept, you can tell that this room is packed right now. That gym is going to be remodeled into our sanctuary, and it can fit about 100 to 130 more chairs that are sitting in here right now. So it's a space that we can begin to grow into. And and Paul Paul keeps writing in Romans chapter 5. And and you've heard many people say, like, we're we're in a broken world. We're in a dark place in society. We're in a dark place in our culture. We're in questionable times. But it didn't catch Paul by surprise because what he says in Romans chapter 5 verse 20 is this. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. I don't care what sin is in the world because the grace of God is greater than any sin that will ever be in the world. We will continue to steward places and faces that that God sends our way. We'll continue teaching and preaching that where sin increases, grace increases all the more. Listen, our location might be changing, but our mission is still the same. I was, I was reading in, uh, in my quiet time earlier this week and I, I came across this phrase and I thought it fit perfectly. And it reads like this, through Christ, sinners are not left as beggars on the doorstep of heaven. I don't know about you, but I felt like a beggar on the doorstep. God, would you just throw me some crumbs? God, if you would just listen to that one prayer. God, if you would just show up and I felt like a beggar God never created us to be beggars. He calls us sons and daughters, but it goes on to say this, hoping God will somehow open the door. Instead, his attitude towards those who believe has been wholly changed because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice, because Jesus is who he says he is. Church, it's time for us to pull people off of this proverbial doorstep and welcome them home. To welcome them as sons and daughters. To welcome them as heirs to the throne. Now listen, as we walk through this journey, today is day one. Again, there's more information to come. But if I could challenge you with this, jot down this URL address. But we've purchased takethelake.church. takethelake.church. That's a way for you to follow along with the story. It's a way for you to follow along with the fundraising. It's the way for you to follow along with the renovations. In fact, one of the sublinks on that page, you can actually schedule a tour. And our team will take you on a personal tour through the facility. You'll see the dates on there. So it's takethelake.church. But man, we would, we would, we would miss the mark. We would miss the mark if we stopped with just a celebration of the building we're not going to stop with the celebration of a building. We're going to stand all of this all across this room and we're going to end worshipping God because he is who he says he is. Let's step back into worship.